This year was a year that really pushed us as a human family to really look at ourselves in the mirror and acknowledge that there's big changes that must be done. What you're about to hear is the second part of a two-part conversation between oral historian Maggie Lemire, Samoan climate activist Brianna Frien, and Thelma Young Lutunatanbua of 350.org. If you haven't heard part one yet, you probably want to go back and give that a listen. Thelma and Brianna created the Radical Reimagining newsletter, and in this second part of the conversation, they discuss an international perspective on the Green New Deal and the recent U.S. elections, which is something we've been wanting to cover for a while, so I'm excited to have this conversation to share. I'm Sam Eilertson, and this is Generation Green New Deal. Maggie's conversation with Brianna and Thelma is coming up right after this. Hey, Brianna. Hey, Thelma. Thanks so much for joining a Generation Green New Deal conversation. We are so honored and just grateful um, for you both sharing your time and your perspectives with me and our audience today. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So excited to join. Um, So before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to tell folks a little bit about the project that you all work on together, which is called Radical Reimagining. You're both co-founders and co-editors. Radical Reimagining is an online space um, to exchange ideas about the world we can build and, very critically, to celebrate those who are already showing the way. Radical Reimagine values visionary futurism and images of the world grounded in care, justice, community, and sustainability. It honors the deep resilience already present in many peoples. It's more than a discussion of technology or policies. It is a residence of creativity and hope. It's a place to share stories of victories, powerful projects, decolonize truths, and more. Radical Imagining believes that another world is not only possible, but has already started. Ooh, I just love that. It feeds my soul. Thank you for bringing us those words, Lama and Brianna, and for being part of this project. Sometimes, as you probably are very aware, people within the United States, um, because we do have an outsized impact on the climate, can justifiably be very concerned with, you know, pushing our own politicians and policies. Um, but we're not always so aware of global perspectives. Um, so I was also curious kind of how you're feeling about things globally um, and in your communities, how things are looking. And also interested in, you know, what what folks in the Pacific Climate Warriors or in your communities, you know, more broadly are thinking about this um, change of leadership in the United States and are you feeling optimistic, <laughs> cautious? I think a lot of the activists here, are, um, they're not exactly overjoyed, but they're optimistic that they can push Biden. I think a quote that um, is sticking in my mind um, came from a friend of mine that I spoke to, uh, I think like a month ago. And she's, um, from, she's of African descent. And she said that the quote that they've been saying in Africa is that, 
um, it's a famous one. The when the U.S. sneezes, uh, the world catches a cold, and I think that that has has been very true for people affected by climate change because of the the power the U.S. has over um, the industry that feeds the climate crisis, and I think that for a lot of um, people who depended on America and bigger nations to move um, and to act and to do so fast were disheartened and, and disappointed by the, the, the huge stall that unfortunately happened in the States in the past four years with the current administration. Um, and I think that a lot of us were depending on a new um, admin to come in and to to re-sign the Paris Agreement and to to change things up from the past four years and so I think there was a, a little victory for us to see um, that change happen um, or at least that change um, written down on paper that it's about to happen in January and then also it was just as as community organizers it was just so great to to see how community organizers were really the ones who won the election this year in, in America and, and to see um, people really show up to get people registered to vote, to get people out there um, voting for who they believe in in the face of voter suppression and so many obstacles that people, um, especially people of color, have to go through to be able to cast a vote in America. I think as organizers that that gave us a little bit of joy and excitement to see that, you know, um, there were successes with the organizing that happened around the election with a lot of communities. And so that's a little bit of, of the perspective that I could at least speak to personally seeing everything happen and talking with my friends who are outside of the American context about America. But I say we're outside of the American context, but we're so closely linked. I mean, I'm from Samoa, um, and during colonization, we were split up into two. And so one of half of us were given to Germany, then to the British, and then half of us were given to America. And the half that was given to America is still under America, and it's called American Samoa. And so that's a direct link to the states and so everything that happens there directly impacts half of us in Samoa and, and then not to mention all the Pacific territories that the the U.S. has um, and the military bases that are based in the states I mean that are based in the Pacific and so there is a really scary close link between many Pacific Islanders and in America and of course our diaspora in America and so it was a very nerve-wracking time for us even though we may not be living there yeah it's like America unfortunately has a very massive impact on the rest of the world like that's that's just the truth um I as an American also like I am so overwhelmingly glad that Trump is going to be gone like that is something we should celebrate and like what Brianna said like we should celebrate all the organizers who did the hard work day in and day out to get Biden elected like it was it was a movement victory 
And I think for me, that's just what I'm keeping in mind going forward is like to create the change we need, it's going to take people power. It's going to take organizing. Um, You know, tomorrow is the fifth anniversary of the Paris Agreement. It's been five years since COP21. And so I've been reflecting on that a lot. And it's really sad how little politicians have done in the past five years. Like they're still acting like they, you know, it's okay to spend billions and billions of dollars in fossil fuel subsidies. Um, so it's 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 this reminder that like governments are not gonna save us. It's it's gonna take people power, it's gonna take people organizing all over the place. And I always one of my favorite quotes is from Bill McKibben, and he's like I'm paraphrasing again, but he's like, you know, the most important thing an individual can do for climate change is stop acting like an individual. Um, it's so important going forward that we, you know, you find a local community group to get involved with. Like you, you become a part of that experience of movement work, of community organizing. That's so fundamental. Like we're not going to create the change if everyone's just looking at themselves. And so. I think, you know, whatever the future lies ahead, you know, you know, it, it, Biden is not going to bring the change that we need unless he is pushed. Um, so I'm, I think people are also really aware of that. Like, I don't think people are under the, the idea that uh, Biden's going to solve everything. Or at least maybe I hang out with lots of climate activists who are all like, okay, now we're going to push him hard. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's like we always we've known that people power has to make up the difference. Like the Paris Agreement was never going to be enough. You know, we're about to enter a new year and also the year ahead. Um, you know, both what you feel the challenges have been for the movement from you know Pacific or a global perspective. Everyone knows it's it's, it's just been a, a heavy year and. Um, I can speak for us here at um, Pacific Climate Warriors Auckland. We've really been seeing this year as a year we can show up for others. Um, and so last year we had a big year with the climate strikes and we were asking our community, like, please come out and strike for climate. Please come and support our climate messaging. And then this year we just heard the big call out to come and support Black Lives Matter, to come and support um the the interschool violence that's been happening in New Zealand and so for us it's really been a year of of solidarity and I think um oh I I know I'm so proud of of my team for being able to to recognize that this fight is more than just a fight for climate it's a fight for justice of people who have been done wrong and so um, we showed up to all the marches this year in Auckland in, in the city centre and um, I'm, I'm so proud of, of these young people who set aside their time and took you know, buses and trains at all hours in the morning to get out there and to support people in Nigeria that they've probably never met and never will meet to support um, the black community in America who they'll probably never meet. But it was so important that we show up for these justice movements and we can't just be people who ask for people to stand by us, but we don't stand by our people. And so that has been an element of this year, uh, along with a, a range of, of other emotions and, and difficulties of, of people um, trying to adjust and to adapt. 
Um, I think the new year has, there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of healing to be done. And, and you know, that that's all I could hope for is um, that this year was a, a year that really pushed us as a human family to really, you know, look at ourselves in the mirror and, and acknowledge that there there's big changes that must be done. Yeah, yeah. I think... I think this year has brought, like Bibi said, like it's forced so many people to look in the mirror. And through the pain, I know I've heard so many more people talking about, you know, we can't go back to normal, but normal was toxic. Like normal was bad. Like let's create something better. The amount of energy that's out there right now of people doing radical reimagining is just incredible. Like people are hungry to, to come out of the pandemic with something that's richer, that has more care, and that's more intersectional. Um, you know, the climate movement, you know, it was it had to ask itself, like, what do we do if we can't do big marches, if we can't do big protests? Like, what do we do next? And um, I think, you know, I think it's so important that the climate movement has and continues to think about intersectionality and think about how we stand up for others. Like, there's no point in, you know, limiting emissions if people don't have access to healthcare. Um, there's no point in limiting emissions if there's still so much racial injustice. So we are deeply, deeply connected. And so I think that does give me hope in the coming years, like people, people know that they're adaptive. People know that they're resilient, and they are ready to create something more beautiful. And there's like people all over the world doing that. Um, yeah, and so I don't know. I I'm personally exhausted, as I think so many people are. So I'm ready to to take a break like recharge myself and then to step into 2021 like really being a year that um like don't hold back like we are not returning to normal we are coming out of this creating something that's so much more rich and vibrant and caring and that's the way that it's gonna be so yeah i think it's hard sometimes for folks to imagine a world that's not in crisis because as you know Thelma you said like all these scientific reports say it's too late we hit this tipping point oh no we actually hit this next tipping point and it's just like a lot of stories of like destruction and like terrible sci-fi movies and all of those things um that can be really paralyzing so for each of you what does your world of climate justice, of peace, of um, environmental stewardship, of coexistence, you know, with other species. What's that other world that you imagine could be um, the one that we can exist in in different ways now and also the one that we are building together? Mm -hmm. I think... um, I feel like on a lucky day, I'm able to experience that vision 
in a small way and I think I get to do that most when I'm at home and so my vision for the future I feel like I have experienced it a little bit and I just all I want is for everyone to have access to to that type of day and so um there's a day I can pinpoint and actually Thelma was there it was during my birthday we went to a beach called Vavau and so this is one of my childhood beaches it was my dad's favorite place and so um I would we would go there often as a family and it was the first time I got to take um the Pacific Climate Warriors that came for my birthday there and we had music and we bought food from my uncle's restaurant and my sister was in the fale so the fale is like an open house it has no walls it's just completely open so that the sea breeze can come in my sister was sitting on a, a woven mat that was woven by one of the aunties of the village that came and gave it to us when we arrived to the beach and she was plating out food um and my mom was on the playlist playing music and my friends were getting ready to go for a swim and um there was a, a fale a house next to us that that the guests just arrived and they got into their house and it was just an instinct for me to go and give them food because that's common in in Samoan culture is that if you bring food somewhere you have to share it with everyone within that space um and so you never think of your mind in, in your mind it's never a thought of oh did I bring enough food or am I gonna be full or you know I spent money on this and now I'm sharing it. it's always just this instinct to share and to share from a place of love and just believing that it will be enough and so I went and gave a plate to the house next door um and they were so grateful and they, they were offering us drinks um and, and that's really just the the type of environment and that feeling of, of love of sharing of community of stewardship of even the environment I mean no one came to that beach with a thought in their mind to take something from it we were there to experience and to live in its reality and to not be there because we had a motive to take and I think that's the future I want to live in where that type of experience is accessible to anyone and for them to be able to have that in their own type of way in their own world. Yeah, I was actually just like visioning that day too. I'm like, that's like the future I just wanted to be like that day at the beach in Samoa. It's, um, yeah, I, th- I think for me so much of my visions of the future are grounded in the women that I know. Like it's about bringing in so many values of matriarchy, of feminism, which really revolve around, again, like community care. Like the f- I feel like the future is about feeding people. It's about what Brianna said, like reaching out, making sure that people you don't know have food. Um, I think one of my, one of the people who's teaching me so much is my mother-in-law. Um, and the future, again, it's about women, it's about plants, it's about gardens, it's about community gardens, it's about sharing knowledge across generations. Um, it's about embracing radical ideas that, that we already have. Like, um, I think sometimes it can be hard for Americans to envision you know, radical systems, but all they have to do is look at their local public library. Like, I think a local library is one of the most like radical ideas and it's such a beautiful space. And if 
um, we have these examples already around us of, of this type of work. So um, the future is, yeah, like Brianna said, it's gathering with people, sharing food, building a garden together, um, and taking action as well. Thank you for sharing that. My last, it's kind of a backtrack question, but my last question, since this is the um, Generation Green New Deal podcast, um, is just how how you see um, kind of youth activism within the United States as one question, but also the, the framework of the Green New Deal and how does that um, resonate for you or how do you think about it? I think it's sort of, there are, you know, potentially policy implications, but it's also a mindset. And so, you know, how does that um, resonate within um, Samoa or the Pacific? Um, yeah, how do you feel about about it, what you're seeing and about like kind of the youth, the youth activism in the US right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm always so inspired to see everything that happens um, with youth anywhere. And especially in the US, I've I've actually grown to be close to quite a few um, U.S.-based activists through um, Fridays for the Future and through the school strikes. And I think that there's just this beautiful thing that's happening with the young people where they the norm is to be educated and outspoken on things that are important. And um, I, I often speak with my sister, who's only seven years older than me, and she said, you know, when I was... Um, in my early 20s, it wasn't the thing to, to, to speak out on injustices. Um, she said she was always the odd one out in her friend group that would be like, hey, do you know what, what's happening in this part of the world? And her friends would always reply with like, oh, you're always like bringing serious conversations into our social time. Whereas like now with my friends, I, I, I'm not even the one who, I'm the, the quote unquote activist, but I'm not even the one bringing up these tough conversations about climate. It, it's just been normalized with a lot of young people and i think um the culture around youth speaking up and standing in their power is changing and and i can see that coming from the from the u.s and i i have some dear friends there who are doing amazing work and i'm i'm really proud of seeing and experiencing young people really coming out and showing up for each other and for our communities around the world and um, what, a, what do either or both of you um, feel about the, the Green New Deal framework and how is that resonating for you with like a more global perspective as well? I'm super excited about it and I love it, one, because it is ambitious, like it is so ambitious and it's like embracing that and it is also really visionary as well. And, you know, it says if we want to solve the climate crisis, we also need to make sure people have health care, that they have jobs. Um, so I, I'm so excited about like the energy that's happening in the U.S. around it. Um, I, and again, it's like we don't, to find solutions, we don't have to be digging too far. Uh, my, my grandpa, he was in the Civilian Conservation Corps, and I, I love the idea of kind of bringing that energy back and putting it people to giving them jobs and you know, building the renewable energy economy, I think it's awesome. It's like, we have these examples of things that have worked in the past. Let's revisit that. So I'm super jazzed about it from an American perspective, and I think it could resonate around the world. 
Um, I think right now we have too many governments right now who are trying to get away with doing the minimum, who are thinking that if they use the term net zero, that that will hide the fact that they're actually not being ambitious. And ambition being not just something nice to have, but something necessary to have to, again, ensure survival. So I think whatever we can do in any country where you're at to push your government to to build real solutions, that's that's exactly what we need. Yeah, I completely agree with Thelma. Um, I think that a green future is one that I'm very excited for. And... I, yeah, I'm just so um, grateful for all the women who have really pushed um, this, these initiatives, not just in the States, but um, around the world. And I think they really inspire each other, um, you know, and I, uh, if you're not familiar with New Zealand politics, but like in New Zealand, we have our own versions of like AOC in Parliament. Um, you know, we have our own versions of Ilhan in Parliament. And so to see like, these women really stand up for the environment and for people and for planet and in, almost inspire one another of in the way that they redefine what a politician should be um, is really in- inspiring to me. And um, the, there's a female politician in New Zealand. Her name is Madama Davison. Uh, she's one of the co-leaders for our Green Party. And so she's been involved with a lot of what's similar to our Green New Deal. So there, there's a Zero Carbon Act that came through um, the New Zealand government. And she told a story to some of us um, young Pacific and Maori women uh, at a library opening. And she said, every time I go to parliament, all the old men like laugh at me and they're like, oh, Marawa, you're so like woke. Like that's you. Like you're so like this new age of social media woke. And she said, you know, I would just laugh back at them and say, oh, man, if you think I'm woke, you should see what's coming next. And we love that. And because she, she always tells us, she's like, I'm not leaving unless you are in there after me. And I just feel like that's I just get the similar vibe from what's happening in America is that it's the first of many revolutionary people to come into parliament. Um, and I can't wait to see more. Yes, yes, yes to all of that. Um, Yeah, I love how both of you are also centering women's leadership and badassery in pushing these frameworks forward. It's great. Um, Well, is there anything else that either of you want to add as kind of final thoughts? Um, Have a good nap. (laughs) Again, make sure that you Especially, I don't know when this is going to air, but if it airs before 2020 ends, I just encourage everyone to take care of yourselves, take a good nap. Mm-hmm. Rest is a part of the revolution. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I think I'd really like to, to share as well. Um, that just reminded me of a quote that um, was just said in New Zealand Parliament a couple of days ago. So we we brought in five new Pacific Islanders into parliament this election. And one of them ended his speech, he's from Cook Islands, and he ended it in, um, another world is not only possible, she is on her way. And on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. And so I think this ties in to rest as well, is that, um, you know, the, the future we want, 
parts of her are already here and we need to give ourselves the time to have that quiet day so we can be reminded that she is breathing that's really beautiful yeah i think you know right now i'm traveling and a big part of my practice is spending time with nature like learning her rhythms and her patterns and her names and really trying to take the space to educate myself not because it's like not because i'm a scientist or i'll ever like you know have some success because of that but because it enriches my life so much and it allows me to have a deeper love and you know something that i think um joanna macy has said and others have said in different ways is like the only not the only the way to really protect something is to love it like you love your own child because then like the risk of its um destruction is so like fundamental to you that you are able to like give it that love like you're not going to leave your child to die but you have to cultivate the love too right to have that really dynamic relationship so I think about like really loving the earth and having these experiences of beauty as being just as important as kind of understanding and being able to bear witness I almost think it's because we love it so much that we are willing to bear witness to what is destructive because it's it is really painful to see um but i think with projects like you know radical reimagining we can continue to create that broader space for love and creative resilience and community um so yeah thank you both so much for sharing your wisdom and i learned so much and just enjoyed this um greatly and i'm sure folks who listen to it will as well thank you brianna and thank you thelma thank you I hope you enjoyed listening to this two-part conversation as much as we did producing it. Thanks so much to Maggie for hosting and to Thelma and Brianna for coming on. You can subscribe to Radical Reimagining at radicalreimagining.substack.com and of course find our newsletter and much more at generationgreennewdeal.com. We'll be back next week with the story of how Sunrise, the Green New Deal, and a band of very online teenagers helped save Senator Ed Markey's political career. Well, when my race started, Congressman Kennedy was either 14 points ahead of me or 17 points ahead of me, depending upon the poll. And the experts basically wrote my political obituary. Any way that someone could get involved with Markey, they found a way. Hot girls from Markey, there was ketchup from Markey, there was theater kids from Markey, there was dogs from Markey. Generation Green New Deal is produced by Takuna Alam Productions and distributed by Critical Frequency. Thanks for listening.